0: All right, good morning church, how are we doing this morning? All right, I feel like I want to shout after that worship set. Thank you so much worship team. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to Genesis chapter 37. Um, That's where we'll at least start, so whether you have a physical Bible, Bible on your phone. If you don't have either, we will have the scriptures to the right and left of me, which will be helpful because we'll actually bounce around a little bit this morning. And if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Danny, and I serve as one of the leaders of the church. Um, I am not the primary person typically up here. Pastor Lee is actually out of town, um, but I'll be still happy to be here um, leading us through God's word. Uh, A little more about me. So uh, my wife and son also go here. Um, We're kind of a package deal, um, in case you didn't know. Um, And so we actually celebrated my son's first birthday last week. And so I know, oh yes, yes, yes. (laughs) No, happy birthday to him. Um, It was a lot of fun. And so what we decided to do was do a kind of birthday week celebration. And so what that kind of looked like is we themed it around first of first, right? Because it's his first birthday. And so first time at a theme park, we went to SeaWorld the first time on Disney property. We went to Disney Springs and so on and so forth. It was a lot of fun. And what we did, like a lot of you, I'm sure, do, is we decided we're going to take photos of all of this. And as you know, having a one-year-old, it was pretty adorable, um, whether he was staring up at all the fishies and the fish tanks at SeaWorld, you know, doing that, or just he, we, he went to the beach for the first time, so he was playing in the sand. And then, on top of that, once we're done, first birthday's actually here, we are going to post it on social media to commemorate his big day. But I'll tell you what we didn't do. I don't know if you all are like me. We only posted the good stuff, right? I'm not going to post. Um, him maybe having a very big poopy diaper while we're out, right? I mean, we're not going to, by the way, we're not going to do that, right? Typically, you might take a picture, go hashtag blessed. I'm not going to go, okay, poopy diaper here, hashtag blessed. Like, that is not going to happen. Um, or him just fussing in the backseat, cry, wailing, when are we going to go home? Oh, it's just another day with a crying baby, hashtag blessed. Like, that is not what we're going to do. And often, but you, if you're like me, you might be that same way. Now, I know there's always exceptions, people ranting or raving on social media, Instagram, I get it. But for a lot of us, we are not going to see the kind of <laughs> bad moments of our life, take out our phone really quick, take a shot, post it on social media for everyone to see, even with a hashtag, blessed. But why is that? Well, I think part of it is we don't want people to see the kind of ugliness of our lives, the things that are going wrong. But here's another reality I think that maybe subconsciously happens, which is when we think of hashtag blessed, and trust me, I won't do that the whole message, I promise. (laughs) When we think of hashtag blessed we don't think the bad moments are hashtag blessed. We only think often that the good moments are hashtag blessed. But what we're going to see this morning in Genesis is we're going to look at the longest account in the entire book. And don't worry, I'm not going to go through every chapter and every verse. But we're going to look at a guy named Joseph. And what we'll see is that Joseph's life was blessed. But what we'll also see is that he went through some things. In fact, there is a passage we'll often see, though, whether he went through good or bad, we'll often see a passage like this one. In Genesis, it says, the Lord was with Joseph. And we will see that throughout our time. The Lord was with him. And understanding that, if we understand that Joseph's life was a a blessed life, good and bad, that God was with him through all of it, then here's the big idea I want to argue for the Christians in the room this morning. It's the Christian talking to you, you are blessed in all circumstances. Why? Because God is with you. And that's what we're really going to talk about. We're going to talk about this kind of in in three parts as well. We're going to talk about how God is with you when those circumstances are trials. We're going to talk about when God is with you in in those triumphs. And then how being being with you, God being with you, leads to a testimony of his goodness. So let's tackle the first one. God is with you and the trials. So here's where it it starts. I'll kind of give a recap real quick of of where we've been in Genesis. So we've kind of walked through what's called the Abrahamic covenant or the Abraham line. And so that's Abraham, his son Isaac. And then we also last week talked about his son uh, Jacob. Well, now we're going to talk about Joseph. So he's the son of Jacob. So Isaac's his uh, grandfather, and then Abraham would be his great-grandfather. And that's where we're going to be picking up um, through this relationship between Jacob and his son, Joseph. Starting, we're going to start in verse three. Now, Israel, which is also a name for Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors, But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Okay, let's stop there for a second. So, here's kind of the situation, right? Father should love all his kids the same, but often, like we've seen in the book of Genesis, there's a lot of family drama. And and Jacob loves Joseph the most, so he decides to give him this robe of many colors. Now, often when we hear that, we might have a picture of something that looks like this. And this is from the Broadway show, Joseph and the Amazing uh, Technicolor Dreamcoat. I've actually never seen it. Um, although I have actually a theater background. Um, Go green, Lantern. Like, I have that. But in this situation, I've never seen this one. But... You know, a lot of scholars don't know if it quite looked like this. For all we know, it could have looked like this. So that could be (laughs) the code he has. Now, I'll be honest, I haven't listened to this guy's music that much, so please don't email me. Uh, This is not an endorsement. I'm just trying to give you a picture of what it could look like. So anyway, so that could, all we know, be like that. And think of it maybe in your situation, maybe you had a sibling that got the latest Jordans and you were stuck with your beat down Walmart shoes for the last 3 years. And like many kids, the brothers by the way, didn't like this, right? That's not fair. And how many times do we hear kids say that, right? Billy got ice cream, more ice cream than me. That's not fair, right? And that's how the brothers feel. And so Here we go, more in the story. So we're going to go back. There we go. All right. So picking back up, because Joseph, I'll be honest, he's going to make it a little worse. You think his brothers don't like him now. They're not going to like him after this. Now, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. This is what he said. So hear this dream I have, brothers. Hear it. You will love it. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bound down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and he told it to his brothers and said, behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. So recap basically what this dream is saying, especially if we look at the second one. So there's 12 tribes of Israel, okay? 12 sons. Uh, And so he's one of the 12. So 11 stars bowing down to them. What does that mean? They're going to bow down to him. So his, so it's, it's basically like, so not only do I have the coolest jacket or the coolest shoes, I'm going to be your boss one day and you will do my bidding. The so brothers, they ain't about that. So to devise a plan, we're going to skip down to verse 12. Now his brothers went to the pasture, their father's flock near Shechem. Um, and Israel said to Joseph, aren't now your brothers pasturing the flock in Shechem verse 18 so then they see him from afar and before he came to them they conspired against t- to kill him that's pretty big hate <laughs> this isn't just i'm not going to talk to him anymore i'm going to cancel him no we're going to go and kill him and they and so ver- going now to verse 23 Is so Joseph came to his brothers and they stripped him of his robe, this robe of many colors that he wore. And then the pit, and then they took him and they threw him into a pit. The pit was empty and there was no water in it. That is what happens when hate and bitterness of someone to the point of killing them or leaving them for dead. That's what we're seeing here. And now here's Joseph in this pit not knowing what's going to happen next. Is he going to die? Is he going to live? I mean, that's a trial, right? (laughs) I mean, that's, I don't know about you, I've never gone through quite that trial. (laughs) Uh, My siblings want to, kill me to the point where they throw me in a pit without water. But I don't know about you, but you have gone through other pits in your own life. Yeah. Maybe it is this idea of family drama. Maybe you would love if your brothers or sisters or brothers and sisters all got along, but every time you go to the Thanksgiving table or the Christmas celebrations, there's tenseness. Maybe you have a family member that has been excommunicated or you're that family member. The Lord is with you. And how do I know that? Because like I showed you at the beginning, and we'll see later in this passage, the Lord is with Joseph. Or maybe there's just more of a broader suffering or pit you're going through. Let me, let me give you an example. So I'm just going to give you just a snapshot of things I've been praying for recently, okay? Family member has um, a health issue, needs surgery, pray for him. Hope he'll go out okay, but just pray that God's hand is through the procedure. Friend that I went to high school with has a stroke in his early 30s. He's doing better, but pray for me. Long road of recovery, my speech, all of that. I also have a young kid. How do I handle this? You know, I have a stroke. I have to care for a kid who's under the age of one. Lady I know, her niece just lost another kid to miscarriage. It's happened several times. No matter what they do, they seem to not know if they're going to be ever able To bring a kid through full term and have one in their arms. What are you going through? What pit are you in? God is with you. And just because you're going through it does not mean that God cannot be blessing your life. Because here's the two wrong tendencies we can have. One is that we can think because we're going through this pit, this trial, that God doesn't care about me. You see, the Christian believes that that God is our heavenly father. And now for a lot of us, we had good earthly fathers. (laughs) And so that's a wonderful example because we can think of, wow, and the way my father was great God is even greater. But for other of you, it might be really hard. And you might project actually what the idea of father is from your distant father or your neglect of father onto God. Let me give you an example of this. I heard a comedian say this recently. This is a quote about the idea of a father and God, okay? He says, a father's, and he's trying to be funny, by the way, A father's job is to be distant, authoritative, and never quite pleased. That way the children can eventually understand God. But see, God is not that type of dad. He is not distant. He is present. Sure, he has all authority, but he loves you. And not only is he unpleased with you, he's, for the Christian in the room, he's pleased with you. Do you realize that when you go, if you're a Christian and you go to the Lord in prayer, you are going to a father that doesn't just love you, he's pleased with you. He actually wants to spend time with you. He actually wants to hear from you. So are you doing that? When you go to God in prayer or through your time in the Bible, if you're doing that, are you going with an approach that God wants to be with you? He wants to hear about your problems. He cares about your problems, and he's pleased with you. Here's the other wrong tendency we have, that God isn't in the trials because you lack some sort of faith or there's something wrong with you. Are there natural consequences to sin? Yes. It can happen, okay? You do something wrong to somebody and it will naturally hurt their feelings, for example, right? And I'm talking about like in a relational setting. But that isn't always the case. And I know this because as we look at Joseph's life, we often hear about his faithfulness to God, that Joseph is actually fully obedient for the, for what we see in the accounts so I'm sure he sinned he was not perfect don't get me wrong he's a sitter like you and me but he was obedient and yet these things were still happening to him Now in this next part of the passage let me read what happens to Joseph next They say come let us sell him to the Ishmaelites And let not our hands be upon him, for here he is our brother in our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. And then Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit, sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. Now, I'm going to jump to actually the next chapter, chapter 39, verses 1 and 2. It says, now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian had uh, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. Again, we're seeing that theme again, right? The Lord was with Joseph. And here's the next part of his life, and I will not be able to dive into it, but let me just give you a recap of some of the places Joseph goes next. Because what we'll see in his life as we kind of transition to this idea of trials and triumphs is kind of a story book kind of example of peaks and valleys. Anyone ever heard that phrase? You go through peaks and valleys of your life? Well, that's what's about to happen with Joseph. So he goes through um, the peak of the pit, right? And then now he's in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar is an officer in Egypt, and he's going to be actually giving Joseph responsibility to be an overseer of his house. And so actually, Joseph starts getting success. He's in the peak, and he actually has authority of of a very major player in the Egyptian political scene. Well then, that's the peak. Then there's a valley that comes. So Potiphar's wife actually tries to, how do I say this? Um, Tries to make a pass. Okay? He tries to make, she tries to make a pass at Joseph multiple times. Joseph says no. So then she accuses Joseph that he tried to make a pass at her, and now he is thrown in prison. Valley. <laughs> then he gets into prison in this valley, and he's all of a sudden given authority again to do all sorts of tasks. And then a cupbearer comes and a baker comes and he prophesies about their dreams in the same way he did his brothers. A lot of success. Peak. The Lord is with him. But then one of those people that he does tell them the vision says, I'll tell all about you to Pharaoh so you can get out. You will be out of prison like that dude in Shawshank. You will be out. But he forgets about him. Again, here it is. The valley. Peaks, valleys, peak valley is honestly Joseph's life for 13 years at this point. God is with him through the peaks and the valleys. You'll see that conversation happen often. And we've already talked a bit about the valley and how God's with you there, but I do want to take a moment and talk about how God is with you in those peaks, in those triumphs. God can be with you in those good times too. So how is God with you through triumphs? We're going to pick up another account in Genesis chapter 45. So oh no, not 45, 41. We're going to be 41. So here's the scene. Pharaoh has a dream and all of a sudden the guy that forgot him remembered, oh my goodness, I totally forgot. Bring Joseph, this guy I met in prison. He can help interpret your dream. So that's what we're going to pick up. So Pharaoh does that. He sends and called Joseph, and they quickly quickly brought him out of the pit, which is interesting, side note, because he's in prison, but he was in the pit earlier. They're calling it a pit. I think that's very interesting. But anyway, so they shaved him, changed his clothes, and he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that you hear a dream and you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So here's Joseph's big moment. He is in front of the Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the the world. It'd be like a modern example being called before the president of the United States. And this is his one shot, his one opportunity to seize everything he ever wanted, right? All right, and he's going to do it. He's going to go up, but... What's fascinating is he takes time to praise God, that he's understanding that if there's success here, if you like what you hear, God is going to be one to give it. Verse 25, we're going to skip there. So Pharaoh tells the dreams to him, and I'm not going to read it, but basically there's cows, some are big, some are ugly, some are fat, some are not, I mean, so How do you interpret that? (laughs) And Joseph says, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. There was two of them, by the way. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven cows are seven years. The seven good um, ears, so there was actually like corn and stuff, are seven years their dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven seven years of famine it is i told pharaoh god has shown pharaoh what he is about to do there will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of egypt but after them there will arise seven years of famine and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of egypt the famine will consume the land and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be seven uh, very severe. So basically, what Joseph is saying is seven years of plenty, then they'll follow by seven years of of famine. So you better p- plan, you better make plans to get all the food you can, all the resources you can, so you can survive the seven years that is to follow. Pharaoh, by God's grace, God gives. Joseph favor. And Pharaoh not only believes in his plan, but it's like, guess what, Joseph? You're going to be the one to enact it. I am going to now raise you up to the highest place in Egypt other than me. So it's like you meet with the President of the United States, your Secretary of State or Vice President, whatever you want to think is second most important. There's lots of debates on that. But you are that guy. So Keep reading, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from his presence, from the Pharaoh's presence, and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly, and he gathered up all the food of these seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt and put the food in the cities. He put it in every city, the food from the fields around it, and Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea until he ceased to measure it, for it cannot be measured. Now, here's a cool part. Before the year of the famine came, he had two sons. Um, I did not research the names. That was bad by me. So um, it was <laughs> Asaniah, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bore them to him, and Joseph came the name of the firstborn, um. Mes- I don't know we're going to keep going for he said God has made me forget all the hardship of and all my father's house And the name of the second he called Ephraim for God has made me fruitful in the land of affliction I love this it's this recognition that he was in the trial now he's in the triumph he was in affliction now he's fruitful and here's the thing I want us to talk about it because there's two wrong tendencies that can happen about God being with you when there's success that happens. One is that God obviously can only be in the successes. We talked about that earlier. I'm not going to go, don't worry, I'm not going to go back and talk about it. Um, right? But it's the idea that it can only be health, it can only be wealth, only financial gain, only well-being that God's with me. But here's the other tendency I've seen happen before too. It's that God can't be with you in it. I don't know if you are a met anyone, but there are people that literally feel like they have to be downtrodden. There has to be suffering in their life for God to do something crazy. Or if, and this honestly could be my tendency, if something good is happening, something bad must be coming around the corner. Because I know, uh, like a good Christian, I know a good theology of suffering. And so suffering is bound to happen. There's only two people, which is, is true. Those going through suffering and those who are about to go through suffering. And that can be the case, don't get me wrong. But goodness, and this is my tendency, and I have to repent. Enjoy when things are going well. God can give you favor. He can do good things in your life. I mentioned at the beginning of the service, I have a wife, Janelle, a son, Levi. Are they blessings? Yes. Praise God for them. They are good things in my life. Do I like my job? Yes. I'm sorry if you don't, but I actually do like my job. That is a blessing. God can bless us. And God was with Joseph in the pit, but he was also with him in the palace. Joseph was faithful in the trials, and he is going to be faithful in the triumphs. Sure, we see in Scripture there are people who get a lot of power and get a lot of stuff, and then all of a sudden their hearts turn away from God. But that doesn't have to be the case, and in Joseph's situation, it isn't. He is faithful and the Lord is with them even in the good times. Understanding that, remembering that God can be with you and bless you in all circumstances, good and bad, trials triumphs. He gives you quite the testimony and that's what we want to talk about here. God being with you turns into a testimony. That's the beautiful thing. When God works in your life, you can use it to praise him. And we see that in what is going to be probably the shortest passage. It's only going to be a couple verses that we're going to be in. The first is what I would consider kind of the big reveal. So what happens is during the famine, obviously Egypt is really well stocked up. Joseph has successfully helped them through the famine. But then it gets out. Word gets out including Joseph's own brothers, hear about it. Now, they don't realize that Joseph is in Egypt. And in this power, when they go to visit Egypt, they actually go in front of Joseph. And he's almost like in a disguise because he's he's, he's, he's older, his hair's shaven, kind of like if Someone who knew Batman, I know that's fake and this is real, but like went in front of him and, you know, I'm Batman. They wouldn't know. It's Bruce Wayne because his voice is different. He has a costume on. It's like the same thing except this is a, a real life story. Um, and so, I got a little distracted. I like Batman. Sorry. But, so they go in before him and there's a whole, again, family drama. It's just what happens in Genesis. There's this whole bit that happens and I'm not going to get into it. You should read it. It's pretty entertaining. But finally, after he kind of makes his brothers go through some stuff, he's going to reveal himself to his brother. So here here we go In, in verse four. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. They had no idea. What? And now do not be distressed Or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years. There are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So here it is joseph's before his brothers and he tells them of god's faithfulness in his life and he's not bitter at them he's not angry at them in fact he sees god's fingerprints all over all of it all over all of it and when you think about it it's incredible so joseph if he didn't get thrown in the pit, he wouldn't go to egypt If he wasn't in Potiphar's house or in the prison, he wouldn't have learned the Egyptian language. He wouldn't have been skilled in the administration and all the task-oriented things he would have to do. If he wasn't in the prison, then he wouldn't have met that uh, cupbearer who would go let him see the Pharaoh, and all this would happen. That God was using all of it, not just for Joseph's own good, but for the good of others, for the Egyptian people, for his brothers, for his father, for his people. And furthermore, this is one of my favorite verses in all of Genesis. He says this later on to his brothers. In chapter 50, verse 20, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about many people that many people should be kept alive as they are today god does that sometimes god cannot create evil but he can allow evil to come into a situation and use it for good Have you seen that in your lone life? Have you seen it where God's fingerprints are all over your life, your situation, the good, the triumphs, the bad, the trials, and him orchestrating it? Because here's a passage that Christians often cling to, and it's a a popular one, but it's a necessary one. Romans 8.28 says, And we know for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Notice this is for the Christian, by the way. The Christian who who loves God, who is with God, he is with them. And he is working out all things for good. Think about your struggles. I think about it, you know, I've gone through things. (laughs) Um, There is one situation I went through uh, where I knew of a a marriage that wasn't going well, (laughs) Um, not my own, um, but a a, a family, and and it was rough to go through, A, a family member's family to go through it, but... I've had two different situations since then where I was able to walk through somebody with two different people who were going through something similar. And I was able to coach them and help them and show them books and show them how God was with them. Why? He used the bad that happened for good. Or think about even the the good things you can use. I think of a guy like Dave Ramsey. So Dave Ramsey was a guy who went bankrupt, then was financially successful. So now he's a Christian, by the way. Dave Ramsey is a Christian radio host. He's a financial guru. He helps all sorts of people get out of their financial stress and show them financial freedom. He's using the good that he was able to get out of the bad, go into good for the benefit of others. Now notice in this Romans 8.20, I want to point out something very important. And it's something I've kind of alluded to and hinted at a moment ago, but God works all things for good. It doesn't say all things are good. Bad things can happen in your life. God can be with you in it, but you do not have to pretend like it's good. Okay, that's not what this talk is about. But it's God being with you in it. And furthermore, seeing how God is with you and using it. You know, I think of this funny example of of coffee. I love coffee, and I've heard people use this before, but it's helpful. Coffee grounds, sugar and cream, if that's your thing, water, you mix it all up, it's good. But I'm not going to be sitting in the corner after service next to the little coffee bar there and just eating coffee grounds. That'd be kind of Gross not going to be doing shots of the creamer, right? Maybe you do, but I'm, I'm not. I hear someone laughing. I, can, I know who that is, and I'm like, eh, I can kind of see him doing that. <laughs> but when you mix it together, it's something good. God can mix through death, illness, job promotion, birth of a child, Some good, some bad, mix it all up. God's fingerprints be on it and use it for good. And God is blessing you and he's with you in the midst of all of it. Now, as we look at Joseph's life and his account, he is a prime example in the book of Genesis of God being with you. Great example. But what's fascinating to me is that as I go through all the Bible, to me there's one kind of parallel that I've seen that's probably a greater example than even Joseph. So we talk about God being with us. There was actually a few thousand years ago, I don't know about, if you know about this, a man that had many names and one of them was Emmanuel, which means God with us. He also went by another name jesus let me just read you some of the parallels between joseph and jesus joseph was his father's beloved son jesus was the father god's beloved son joseph was rejected by his family jesus was rejected by his family Joseph was tempted yet but did not sin in that moment where Jesus was tempted and took one step further, never sinning, being fully God, fully man, holy and perfect. Joseph was thrown into prison, although he did not do anything wrong in that moment. Jesus was arrested put on trial, crucified on the cross, although he was absolutely perfect and didn't do anything wrong. Joseph was an Israelite from the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who was elevated to the position after all his trials, after all his sufferings, to second only to the throne of, A pharaoh to save Israel and Egypt from a physical famine. Jesus, after all his trial, his sacrifice on the cross for my sin, for your sin, was from the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now he rose from the grave. He is reigning and ruling as the King of kings, Lord of lords, God in heaven. Joseph had his brothers bow at his feet because of how he is saving them and saving the people of Egypt, fulfilling that prophecy of that dream where Jesus fulfilled all sorts of prophecies in this Bible. And we. All every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord because of what He has done for us, saving us not just from famine but from spiritual famine, f- spiritual death. That is God with us. That God works all things according to those. We're called according to His purpose. The most important thing of all those things is that we have God. We have Jesus. He is with us. Now, for some in this room I mentioned, for the Christian, for those who love God, mention that. If you don't know God, if you have not trusted in Jesus, today is your best chance to do that. You can trust in Jesus this morning. If you would like more information about that, I would love to talk with you after the service. I'll be just right by, if that's the guest services area, I'll be by the opposite curtain over there. I'd love to pray for you, talk to you more about God being with you because that's our greatest good. When we think about things working out for good, more than being second only to Pharaoh, more than having a son and all the riches, the greatest good in Joseph's life is God was with him. And more than anything in our lives, the greatest good for us is that we have Jesus. Jesus is with us. Through the good, through the bad. And I'm thankful for that. I don't know about you. So why don't we spend the remainder of our time, worshiping out the feet of Jesus, where every tongue shall confess that he is Lord and every knee shall bow. So let me pray for us and we'll do just that. Father, thank you that you are with us. Thank you we have Jesus. I am so thankful for that. I am thankful for those in the room that have that same promise that we can hold on to. And I pray for those who don't know you yet that you would stir in their heart, that you would remind them of your goodness, grace, and mercy. And it's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.